0: Guys, welcome back to Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism. My name is Eleni,
1: and I'm Jeffrey.
0: That was so long to say your name. Did you forget your name?
1: I literally just
0: found after you. Is there a delay on our Skype today?
1: <laughs> I did not. I did not miss a beat when I said my name. Yes, you did. You missed several. Well, I think you're getting a delay. So
0: rude. Anyways, <laughs> today we're going to be talking about season four, episode seven, Jeffrey please provide us with a title
1: um the festival of living art good job jeffrey didn't require that one i know off the top of my head actually i didn't remember we didn't have to look at my notes or even write it down
0: you know what's funny though the the actual event is called the festival of living pictures yeah in the episode
1: i feel like our i feel like living pictures is kind of vague though
0: well, that's what it's fucking called. What do you want me to tell you?
1: But I'm saying for the episode title, like if they've if they had named it verbatim, the Festival of Living Pictures would have been maybe a va- like more vague as an episode title than actually in the episode.
0: Why would it be more vague? I you don't look, know. At the town meeting, he's like, "We're hosting the Festival of Living Pictures," and you're like, "Ah, episode title, Festival of Living Pictures." Uh,
1: because I don't know. Do I look do I look like the Sherman Palladinos to you? <sighs> On. Even though they don't name every episode, there's other writers.
0: Sure, <laughs> there are other writers involved, and we keep singling them out. Poor guys. Okay, <laughs> um, we wanted to talk about what did we want to talk about?
1: Um, how this episode is was the only uh ign- was the only acknowledgement that the show ever got by the primetime Emmy awards.
0: Yes. Um, so it got outstanding costumes. Understandably so.
1: Only at, like. But um, like oh, it actually won. I thought it was only a nomination. It did win. Oh, it It, won. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, which was definitely worthy worthy of the nomination and the win. I think the Emmys should have should have acknowledged the uh, performances by the actors over the course of the show. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But as we've said, I think we've addressed this like a bunch of different times. Like, um, I think dramedy shows were kind of still finding their place in major award categories in the 2000s and like maybe they weren't they weren't sure uh which like which concrete box or genre Gilmore Girls fit into was it comedy was it a drama because it was both you know so
0: yeah um yeah we've talked about it before in the sense of well we've talked about how the Emmys is kind of rigged obviously (laughs) um and, you know, how only major networks, although that's changing, but usually major networks are very involved with the bribes. So, you know, and the the wooing and the dazzling. So there's that. Um, and, you know, not winning an Emmy doesn't mean that you're not a good actor. Just like not winning a Grammy doesn't mean you're not a good singer. Um, and so on and so forth. Um, I don't necessarily agree that the actors should have been acknowledged
1: I think Lauren Graham should have been acknowledged by the Emmys for this in my opinion and also Kelly Bishop those two so, in my opinion
0: Yeah so okay very controversial <laughs> Um I think if if you were going to acknowledge anything about the show it would have been the writing Yeah um it would have been I don't know, like production about, I don't know, but like it would have been something to do with the writing itself because it was very, um, you know, the the writing pace and the script was very different for its time. Right. Oh
1: yeah. It was very ahead of its time. And I think that's what we're, I think we're seeing now that it's ahead of its time that the marvelous Mrs. Maisel has won so many Emmys for the same kind of writing style.
0: Exactly. And you know, same creators. So that makes sense. um, But it sucks if they didn't see it 20 years ago, (laughs) the Academy or whatever. Um, But I will say there are definitely moments in the series where I feel like, wow, what a great performance. Mm -hmm. But as a whole, like if we're taking a whole series, a whole season into account, Mm -hmm. I don't think as a whole the performances were worthy of Emmy nominations. If we're like, talking about excellence
1: in television, yeah, I would have like I I kind of understand um, like back then why the the um, the act of the performances weren't considered as much by major award shows because I don't know it just, it didn't really fit in the in didn't really fit in the style or genre in the in the bo- in the you know pre pre made boxes that these major award shows usually assign to things so. Like I think now we would, you know, with social media and everything, and everyone having and being being able to have a platform and an opinion, it's like, oh, this is this this deserved an Emmy, that deserves an Emmy. Like we kind of just talk out of our ass when we say those things, but d- depending yeah, on. Yeah, because if
0: you, if you remember last year at the Emmys, everyone was outraged that Zoe's didn't get Emmy nominations, and I was like, everybody slow their fucking roll.
1: Yeah, like I'm sorry.
0: Like just we, because you <laughs> like something doesn't mean it's Emmy worthy.
1: Yeah, so, like, that's a a perfect example of something that has a passionate fan following. Still don't understand why, but um, something that has such a passionate fan following, everyone just immediately jumps to, oh, Emmys. And that, I think that discourse is accelerated a lot by, you know, social media like Twitter and Instagram, but mostly Twitter, where it's just like, oh, Emmy. Like, you know, we can screen record, grab a clip, be like, look at this, like, oh, this performance deserved an Emmy, whereas, like, in 2000 it's like yeah okay you watched it you didn't watch it you missed it like it wasn't as it wasn't as like always in your in our faces as much as it is now you know yeah
0: for sure and I think so I'm just looking at the 2003 Emmys Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Uh, this would have been nominated in the 2004 Emmys actually so let me look up 2004 Emmys um so in the 2004 Emmys this technically would have fallen under a drama Mm -hmm. uh, because that's what it was always known as, and The Sopranos won for Outstanding Drama Series.
1: I mean, that makes sense.
0: That makes sense. That was groundbreaking as well.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, for Comedy Series, Arrested Development won, which, let's be honest, deserved. <laughs> yeah. Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series. So if you were thinking, um, you know, uh, along the lines of Lauren Graham or Kelly Bishop, was Allison and Janie in The West Wing.
1: Oh, 100%. Deserved that.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. um, and the other nominees were Edie Falco in The Sopranos, uh, Mariska Hardigate in Law & Order, Amber Tamblyn in Joan of Arcadia, and Jennifer Garner in Alias, your show.
2: <laughs> See?
1: Yes, my show. Um, I was actually going to say, it's funny you're saying that now, because I looked up um, the Golden Globe Award for Best Actress in a television series drama, and mm-hmm. which both of us didn't know prior to pressing record today, Lauren Graham did receive a Golden Globe nomination in this category in 2001. I was like, wait a minute. I think that was the year that Jennifer Garner won for Alias. So I just looked it up. I'm like, you know what? I love Lauren Graham and I love her as Live, but Jennifer Garner deserved that and <laughs> deserved that award and deserved the Emmy, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And deserved then-
1: if- more appreciation. I-
0: And then if we're talking more along the lines of uh, writing, The Sopranos also won that year. Yeah. And they were nominated uh, for, like, listen, it was four episodes, five nominees, excuse me, and four out of the five nominees were Sopranos episodes.
1: And it's because, like, the, The Sopranos was groundbreaking. I haven't... I haven't really watched it. I've seen like bits and pieces of of reruns over the years. It's not really my cup of tea, Mm -hmm. but um, I think it also, like I think in the, the landscape that was television in the early 2000s, like that's when HBO was kind of coming in with the paid cable revolution. And so network TV was starting to, I'm not going to say on the way out, but was like starting to meet its match, I guess. And I think because HBO had a different, had a different platform than network TV, like it, was just it was just always in our like always being considered over network TV because it was supposedly more sophisticated. So, mm-hmm. for, for example, if Gilmore Girls, God forbid, was on was on HBO, I don't even want to consider what that would look like.
0: You would but, get you would get more nude Milo. <laughs> oh, okay,
1: I'm good with that. Um, <laughs> um But if you know, God forbid, Gilmore Girls was on HBO, I think it probably would have. Gotten that atten, gotten that attention that it didn't because it was on the WB. If that yeah. makes sense.
0: No, we've talked about sh- uh, we've talked about awards, whatever academies, shall we say, <laughs> not taking Gilmore Girls seriously because it was on the WB and because it was more of a teen drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to push back on, well, not push back, just to piggyback off of what you said on of being, you know, groundbreaking television. HBO being groundbreaking television. It really was the year of HBO. It was. <laughs> well, The Sopranos won. Um, El- Elaine Stritch at Liberty was the best comedy special produced by HBO. Uh, Something the Lord made was television movie, HBO, miniseries, Angels in America, HBO. Like, it was all HBO.
1: And that was pretty much every year thereafter. Like.
0: Yeah, Sarah Jessica Parker won for um uh, you know, Best uh, Actress, Meryl Streep for *Angels in America* HBO, Cynthia Nixon won HBO. Like, you know, it was very much the year of HBO, mm-hmm. or I should say, like the five years of HBO, <laughs> because yeah. um, it definitely just like I think Netflix now kind of has a stronghold, or I should say, streaming services in general now have a stronghold. Yeah. HBO was very much that in the early 2000s, where tele, where groundbreaking television shows were going to be produced.
1: And I would even argue that, um, like, HBO kind of had that stronghold right up until streaming services came in and started with their, with started with their own stronghold. Because, like, even I can recall watching the Emmys in mid two thousands, late two thousands. Like, it was always HBO, and my parents were so bitter because we didn't even have HBO until a couple of years ago. And, and, people,
0: I, and... a lot of people were bitter about that. So. <laughs> Um,
1: because it's it's almost like it's, it's I think it's a bit of a class issue too because like I mean I'm pretty sure that analog cable is on the way out in most regions I know in most parts of Canada analog cable is no longer a thing I can't speak yeah. for the rest of North America but like in the 2000s it was a privilege to be able to afford a paid cable channel like HBO you know so like if you didn't if you weren't you, you, you didn't have the means to afford paid cable that what that meant that you Weren't worthy of watching groundbreaking television. Like it was a bit of I f- like people's bitterness was was justified. I think.
0: Well, I think the bitterness that people felt back then at not being able to sh- to watch television shows that were considered excellent mm-hmm. um, is a lot of the bitterness that we're seeing now in older generations. Oh yes. <laughs> Yeah, at not being able, or not not being able, but not having the means or the the technological know-how to mm-hmm. access all these shows on streaming networks. Yeah. So I know when Marvelous Mrs. Mazel won a bunch of awards both uh, last year and the year before, I was hearing a lot of, well, oh, I don't want to pay for Prime just to watch Marvelous Mrs. Maisel.
2: Mm-hmm. You know.
0: Um, same thing with like Hulu shows. So Canada doesn't have Hulu, so a lot of the shows that we we miss out on a lot of shows unless they're picked up by Canadian streaming services. Yeah. And Crave has done a really good job of kind of picking up the slack, but there are still a bunch of shows that have won awards that we don't have access to unless it's by illegal means. <laughs> <You
2: know? laughs> yeah. So,
0: um, yeah. It's, it's all coming for a full circle at this point, you know? Um, but yeah. So in conclusion, do I think that the show was overlooked? Yes. Do I think that the actors and actresses were overlooked? <sighs>
1: okay, I have one last thing to add to that um, discourse about about actors being overlooked, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and this ties in with um, a post I made on our Instagram page Last weekend, um, about uh, about a short-lived sitcom that I discovered did existed. I'd never yeah. known. Um, I'm sure you did because you know you you, you see all. Um, Thank
0: you. Thank you for acknowledging that.
1: <laughs> she's the oracle. She carries all the knowledge. Um, but so in 1996, um, Lauren Graham once starred co-starred on a sitcom called Townies alongside molly ringwald and jenna elfman and it was canceled after 10 episodes i think there was 15 in total and five were unaired so it didn't didn't, didn't do well at all yeah. um but i but it's funny that i found i found that out when i did because a couple of months ago or before christmas last year actually i was watching dharma and greg for the first time with jenna elfman and a lot of people in our instagram comments had said like oh I see a lot of Lorelai's mannerisms and things in Jenna Elfman's acting style on Dharma and Greg. I'm like, oh, yeah, the influence is definitely there. They're, they were super similar in terms of being quirky. And now that I found out that they were both on a show in 1996, back when they were both nobodies, because Molly Ringwald was the only really notable name at that time. Yeah. Um, it's funny now that I think about it, because Jenna Elfman got a lot of Emmy nominations on Dharma and Greg, rightfully so. She was great on that. Um, but I think Lauren Graham was kind of overlooked in the same way on Gilmore Girls because Dharma and Greg was a bit more of a acceptable television sitcom that fit into this acceptable box at the end of yeah, looked at. Yeah, I was just about at. to
0: say, I think it was because it's, it's just like how Will and Grace got a bunch of recognition. Mm-hmm. So, or like shows like Everybody Loves Raymond, for example, I think they like when you can put something neatly into a box exactly so it's very clear yeah it's very clear that these shows are sitcoms they're comedies we have no problem putting them in the outstanding comedy thing and everyone can agree whereas where there's when it's a little bit more nuanced like it is with a show like Gilmore Girls I think they're just uncomfortable with the whole thing because because of the backlash that they might face by putting it into either or you know,
1: 100%. And I, I think I even argued that that Desperate Housewives was the same. It was the same kind of deal where it was, which boxes fit into is a comedy or drama, but it's both. And I feel like only now, with the rise of HBO and streaming and shows on streaming services, it's like the Academy, at least the Television Academy is realizing like, Oh, okay, comedy and drama don't always just fit into into two separate neat boxes.
0: Listen, you're gonna calm down with your Desperate Housewives because Evie <laughs> Falco. Is that her name? No, Felicity Huffman. Yes. Who the fuck am I? Uh, Felicity Huffman was nominated twice and won once, okay?
1: I know she was, but I'm saying like in general. Okay, never mind. But <laughs> I know she won. I'm just saying no, that I'm joking. Was,
0: I just like teasing you with your Desperate Housewives.
1: It's just that Desperate Housewives was always any time that it was nominated, it was in a, it was considered a comedy series and to me it excelled much more as a drama. So in my opinion, Oh,
0: no, she was nominated in drama. Was she? Yeah. I it
1: was comedy. Anyway. Okay.
0: Whatever the case may be, it's it's fine. But I think we can agree that um, fuck the Emmys. No I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I will mean, I, I will, I will echo
1: thing. I will echo what um, Mike Desenzo said when he came on our podcast a few months a few months back about how we asked him like what's your take on Gilmore Girls not being acknowledged a lot by the Emmys. He's like that it's just I loved I loved how he was just not phased by the question I was just like yeah so what doesn't mean it's not it doesn't mean it still wasn't a good show for its time just because the Emmys didn't acknowledge it doesn't mean squat you know
0: exactly Exactly. and listen at the end of the day we still have to realize that a bunch of these voting bodies um mm-hmm. uh, they don't really reflect audiences a lot of the time right no so I I want you to think back everybody close your eyes and think back to a time where you were like I know none of the movies in this Oscar category. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> you're like, what is this obscure bullshit? <laughs> For the movies that you necessarily like, you're allowed to like them. And just because they haven't been acknowledged in any way doesn't mean that they're not good and doesn't mean that you shouldn't like them. Um, but that being said, I will say that a lot of the actors and actresses on Gilmore Girls have gone on to do great things. Yeah. Um, you know, Alexis Bledel is now an Emmy winner. So is Melissa McCarthy. Um, Kelly Bishop, I think, was already a Tony winner when she first started in Gilmore Girls. Yeah. My, My Love and Amelia has been nominated multiple times. You know, like, your your favorite actors and actresses have gone on to do great things. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Scott not really.
1: And if I may be that bitch for one more second, uh, Felicity Huffman won for Outstanding Lead actress in a comedy series. Thank okay, you. So-
0: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. I thought I said drama. It's fine. Um all right. Shall we shall we uh proceed?
1: Yes, yes we shall. With the
0: episode, shall we? Yes. Let's do it. So before actually before we proceed, can I say something? hmm This episode is very baby heavy. Yes. And I would like to say
1: Fuck babies. <laughs>
0: Now, uh, shush, I would like to say that there is a new baby in the family, in my family. Mm -hmm. There's baby Leo, who was just born, Mm -hmm. and he's so cute, (laughs) and I love him already, and I wanted to say welcome to the family, to baby Leo.
1: Well, welcome, Leo. Hopefully, when he's old enough, he'll listen to our podcast.
0: <laughs> I hope he doesn't. <laughs> I say a lot of r- rude shit in this uh, podcast.
1: We do. And, we both do. <laughs>
0: and, and Leo, your name is much better than fucking Davies, okay?
1: Or Colgate.
0: Or Colgate. <laughs> I don't know if he actually thinks that his wife is going to let him name the fucking baby Colgate. Mm-hmm. Like I that, that was like three. I think that was the
1: running joke. It was like the child is not gonna be a it's not gonna be a girl. Yeah, that's the
0: thing. if my if my wife told me, yeah, no problem, you can name our child Colgate. I'm like she knows something I don't.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Whatever.
0: Just you know, Jackson's fucking dumb. Anyway, okay. Um. So the episode opens with Rory and Lorelai. Rory back at home. Um, to do laundry. Yes. And the band auditioning guitarists for the... to replace Dave, basically.
1: And Lorelai's clipping coupons.
0: And Lorelai's clipping coupons. That's where I was getting to. And Rory thinks that this is a travesty.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's kind of... I'm not going to say... I don't want to be that person and be like, well, you know, coupons. Some people need coupons. And I'm like, you know what? Some people do need coupons. I am going to be that bitch. Like... What's wrong with coupons? But
0: that's what I wrote. I said, what the fuck is wrong with coupons? You know your mother's trying to open an inn and she has no steady income right now. Why are you taking her coupons away from her?
1: Because Rory's just snobby that way.
0: Yeah, there are really moments like these ones where I'm just like, Rory, get your head out of your ass. Where do you think... Like, money grows on trees, bitch.
1: But I do like what you... I do like what you mentioned either last week or the week before. I don't remember when it was. Um, You said, like... Anyone will, everyone just seems to jump at the chance to shit on Rory every single time we like slightly criticize something she says or does. And it's like, if you don't like, if you don't like Rory, you don't like the show. Like if you, like if if she bothers you a couple of instances throughout the show, like that's different because every, like every character on every show you've ever watched pisses you off at one time or another. But if you (laughs) hate the character all the time, it's like, why, why are you a fan of this show? Like, you know?
0: Are you asking
1: me? No, I'm just saying in general, like rhetorically. Like I like what you, oh, okay. I like how you, I like how you pointed that out because it seems to me that every single time we criticize Rory, even the slightest, like in, in only one instance we criticize her. For example, it's like everyone all on the internet loves to just jump on the bandwagon of oh Rory, fuck Rory. Oh, it's like mm, maybe you should check yourself. That's all I have to say about that.
0: <laughs> reevaluate.
1: Yes, reevaluate. Yeah. No.
0: Um. There are there are many instances where Rory pisses me off and there are many instances that Lorelai pisses me off. And there are many instances where everyone pisses me off. And that's just the way it is when you're a fan of a show that was on for seven years and it played such a big part of your life. Okay?
1: Yeah. And we saw how many how many times have we seen it? You've seen it so much more than I have. We've both seen it collectively way too many times. So,
0: yeah, things are bound to get on my nerves, guys.
1: I mean, how many how many podcast episodes have we spent talking about how Lorelai is a baby, Lorelai is immature, Lorelai needs to grow the fuck up? Like how? Like I've lost count at this point.
0: Well, this is our 65th episode,
1: so. Is it? It is. Congratulations! We've now had as many episodes as as, as Lizzie McGuire did.
0: <gasps> Amazing.
1: I love how just that just popped into my head, like oh, Lizzie McGuire also ran for 65 episodes. Why so like, do that's, you know that's, that? That's relevant here.
0: <laughs> Why do you know that?
1: I think Zoe 101 also ran for 65 episodes.
0: Why do you know that?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, that's, that's just. I'm,
0: it's not a rhetorical question. I really want to know.
1: <laughs> just things I remember. I just, I have All a, right. <laughs> in terms of my, my, uh, my memory, that those are just things I, I remember. <laughs> All
0: right.
1: All my good. mother is, my mother is somewhere saying right now, like, yeah, of course, you know, he knows that. that's just what he does.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Lizzie McGuire. I haven't thought about that in a while.
1: I tried rewatching it on Disney Plus when Disney Plus first came out. And I'm like, I think I'm too old for this, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. I <laughs> told you that. You're a 23-year-old man. Like, it's over.
1: I mean, I still love the movie, though. What, you know, we will always love that. I made my mother watch it last summer.
0: Did she's, she kill you? Did she absolutely destroy you verbally?
1: She's still making me pay for it,
0: honestly. Of course she is. I knew it. I knew I it.
1: Had to, I had to wear her down. And I wore her down finally. And she was like, that was kind of lame. I'm like, you can leave.
0: She She's in her fifties. <laughs> oh my god! Let's move on before I put your head through a wall. All right, so we meet Bo, which is Jackson's brother.
1: Who? Um, I don't. Nobody likes.
0: Yeah. So I recently saw a confession on the Gilmore Girls confess page.
1: No tea, no shade, no pink lemonade. I hate that page. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because a lot of the confessions are not really confessions. But anyway. stupid.
1: That's a stupid page. I'm sorry. If you listen and you, and you run that page, I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend, but I hate your page, okay?
0: <laughs> okay. You're going to take it down several notches. Because, <laughs> of course, we don't want to offend. And I don't think the owner of the page or the person who runs the page has any control over what people send in, right? And some of them are interesting. I'm not going to lie.
1: All right. But I'll give you the that's... floor. I'll give you the floor on this one.
0: No, Some listen to me. Some of them are very interesting. Other ones, I'm like, that is not worthy of a post. <laughs> like, that's not a confession. You're just saying words. Yeah. Anyways, but there was a post on the confessions page that um, was really perfectly timed. Because as I was watching this, it came up. And they were saying that Jackson's brother um you know how he's complaining that he missed time off work and that he gets time and a half on Saturdays because the baby was supposed to be there blah blah blah, blah. so the person was like I actually don't blame him for being upset mm-hmm. um because you know work is work kind of thing
1: yeah okay but then like go back to work then like say like sorry I would love to be here but I can't afford to miss another day of work like love so, you yeah bye. that's the
0: thing that's what the person also said they were like You know, maybe he shouldn't have said it so vocally if he just, like, either shit or get off the pot kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But it's, I don't think it's unreasonable to say, like, you asked your brother to be here for the birth. Maybe make sure that, like, she's in labor before you ask him to come.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, that's, to me, in my brain, like, if it would never be, I would never be in that situation. But if, you know, um, I was having a baby, um. I, and I wanted, you know, whoever in my family to be there, I would pretty much wait and call you when she's going into labor. Like, if she's, maybe she's going to the hospital and it's going to be another 24 hours, but at least, like, we're at the hospital. If you want to come, you can come, you know? Yeah,
0: but anyways, it was just, like, I get it. I get where you're coming from, but seriously, just shut the fuck up. Either <laughs> leave or shut the fuck up. Um, But that brings up the whole storyline of the midwife. Um, And I have a question for you.
1: Mm, oh, boy.
0: Yeah. Do you think that Colgate is a shittier name than Bruce?
1: <laughs> that's not what I thought you were gonna say. <laughs>
0: uh, what did you think I was gonna say?
1: I thought you were gonna ask me my opinion on midwives, and I was gonna say I honestly don't know enough about you, you know giving birth or giving birth at home to have a fully formed opinion on on midwifery. If that's
0: midwifery. <laughs>
1: um, I don't know, but I've never like I've never really known Bruce. To be a unisex name, is it?
0: I don't. I don't know. Anything could be a unisex name, right?
1: I mean, I don't know, but Bruce fits this woman very, very well.
0: Yeah, she scares the shit out of me.
1: <laughs> she has to be the creepiest midwife ever. Like, I would not feel comfortable giving birth to my child with you. I'm sorry. Okay, like, so
0: here's the thing. Fun fact: Leo, yeah. mm-hmm. my new nephew. <laughs>
1: um,
0: his parents had a home birth.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because his mommy is a doula.
1: Oh, okay. That's who. That's who he belongs to.
0: Yeah, he belongs to yeah. That's what <laughs> he came out of. Um, <laughs> but in any case, they they she had a very long labor and whatever. They ended up at the hospital. But from everything I know about midwifery and doulas, <laughs> um, you should be very happy and like calm and not like yelling at people to go get fucking balloons to serve the baby. <laughs> what do <laughs> balloons do to serve the baby? <laughs>
1: I, honestly, you're really barking up the wrong tree with all these heterosexual questions. I, mm.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. But I'm just like, she scared the shit out of me.
1: I feel, but I feel like that's the, I don't know. I feel like that's what Suki would need, honestly, because Suki's just so flaky and all over the map that, like, she would need someone that intense to just bring her to Earth and be like, it's time now. You listen to me.
0: Yeah, so, okay, yes, I do not disagree with that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I definitely think you need somebody... I definitely think Suki has the type of personality that needs somebody to be like, shut the fuck up and push, right? Yes. Um, and that was made evidently more clear when she rushed over to Lorelei's house at one in the morning and was jiggling the baby. <laughs> it's not coming out! <laughs> <I was> yeah, <laughs> well, it's not going to come out like that either, you fucking idiot. <laughs> but anyways. Um. So I agreed at that point. But... I still don't, like, I don't think when you picture a, a midwife or a doula accompanying you on what is supposed to be one of the happiest days of your life, I, do, I don't picture somebody like Bruce. No, I really don't. Bruce makes my asshole clench. <laughs> exactly. No, okay, no. And then Bruce is getting on Lorelai's case because she's apparently, her aura screams anti-midwife.
1: Yeah, okay, I don't know, I have, um, okay. <laughs> I don't know what that. I don't know what that means. What do you mean, like?
0: <laughs> I mean, she wasn't wrong. Lorelai thinks it's gross.
1: N- no, but like, uh, who are you to be like this? this your aura screams anti. Like what? I'm
0: more. I'm more of like, who are you to say that next time she comes around, she has to cleanse her aura what? <laughs> and leave the negativity at home? Like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I mean, on the one hand. Yes, leave the
1: negativity at home, but also just like, you're not my, you're not my mom. <laughs>
0: you're not my mom, that's such a shitty thing to say.
2: <laughs> well, you know what I mean?
0: Oh, God. You're not, <laughs> my, mom. you're not my mommy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, she's not, like, Bruce needs to get off her high horse. <laughs> hey, yes,
0: that's true. Um, But yeah, no, I did not like the Bruce storyline. Um, Also did not like Jackson's justification for why they wanted a home birth.
1: I mean, it was was kind of both their justification, like, hospitals are so cold and germy or something.
0: Yeah, and even though it was a joke when he said it, I know that it's still so fucking dumb. Like, I just, (laughs) at this point, anything Jackson does, I'm like, jump off a cliff. Like, I can't. can't, And you're you're zero chance of bringing home the wrong baby. I'm like, really? Really? Mm. Really? Get fucked. (laughs) I hate him. Okay, never mind. Um, okay. So, the actual festival.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um... The paintings in the actual festival. Yes. I lost my train of thought.
1: <laughs> Long
0: pause. Long pause. Like, when you're thinking about your name at the beginning.
1: Oh, my gosh. There was a delay. I literally did not skip a beat. I wish someone else was in the room with me to, to confirm.
0: Well, there isn't. And it's my word against yours. Ugh. Um... What I want to say, so sad. Okay, whatever. We'll just we'll pick it up from Kirk being a dick, but also hilarious.
1: I mean, I I feel like what you were was what you were getting at. How the paintings and the living pictures are creepy as fuck because they are.
0: Um. Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like the uh, like Last
1: Supper was disturbing. Like that makeup is. N- well, no.
0: yeah, they had to look ashy.
1: I know, but it's. No, it's it's a no for me.
0: Okay, but you can't deny that it's a cool concept.
1: It's a cool concept, and I'm and I can see why they won the Emmy for makeup. But like, yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: Mm, but, I don't know. Um, just kind of, it's it's a bit it's a bit, the whole the whole living picture is that's is a bit creepy to me. Why? I think the makeup is just way too visceral. Honestly, like the more that I rewatch this episode, it's just it creeps me out. I don't know.
0: Huh, interesting.
1: Honest but and and but in other shows where they've done similar kind of I mean not festivals, but similar uh showcases, like it doesn't creep me out as much like mo- like Modern Family did a version of Living Pictures and that but that was more like it would they had to reenact specific I mean it was kind of the same thing, but there was less makeup and it was just kind of costumes. It wasn't um it wasn't as sh- like show art as as much as Gilmore Girls.
0: Okay, so it was entirely different.
1: Entirely different, but it was still like like you know bringing paintings to life,
2: kind of.
0: Yeah, I still don't understand what your problem is, but anyway, <laughs> um, they had to look creepy. It's like literally 13th century Well, No, I'm going back way too far, but it's like 16th and 17th century paintings.
2: Mhm.
0: I don't know. All Just... right, you're
2: being weird. <laughs>
0: In any case, Kirk is chosen to be Christ, yes. and he all of a sudden grows some balls and becomes a leader, <laughs> and starts quoting scripture.
1: Yeah, and that doesn't go well.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He takes the thing way too far with Judas. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, it was hilarious. Um, but he got really, really meta. <laughs> I really think in Kirk's warped brain, he thought he was Jesus for a minute.
1: I want, but I have to ask, is it, do you think that he thought he was, (laughs) he grew some balls and thought he was Jesus because, um, he was chosen to be Jesus or whatever in the painting? Or was it because, um, he has a girlfriend? Did you hear?
0: Oh, did you hear? (laughs) Guys, do you know that Kirk has a girlfriend?
1: Um, and I have to mention that my mother was in the room, um, while I was rewatching, this week's episode in preparation for recording the podcast and um you know how Deborah feels about gilmore girls
0: i do (laughs) and we're still holding out we're waiting for Deborah to come on the podcast Uh, mm
1: (laughs) um so (laughs) she was she was kind of gig like chuckling to herself because of how annoying it was to her it was like funny of how and like funny like funny how bad the show is in her in her opinion um, and so, but during the scene at the town, the emergency town meeting, where Kirk just keeps saying, my girlfriend, you see behind my girlfriend, my girlfriend was wondering that too. She was just like dying of laughter. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe if you could give the show a chance, but she won't because in five minutes there, she's like, they're so whiny and she left the room. So
0: Ugh, Deborah, come on. Um, okay. So two things on that. Mm hmm. I feel like people need to give things a second chance.
1: <laughs> oh, Deborah's given it like three and four, three and four chances. I give it up, hope, honestly.
0: Okay, fine. Let's move on from Deborah then. <laughs> um, but this is just piggybacking off of what we said last week too. There are certain scenes where I'm like, "This is hilarious, Kirk. I love you. You're adorable." And there are other scenes where I'm like, "Kirk, shut the fuck up." Yeah. And again, we attribute that to the writing.
2: Mhm.
0: Um. In this scene, I think it in this episode, I think it all works together. Um, yes. Kirk is being quirky for the sake of the entire show. Um, they worked it into a bigger plot point. And again, mm-hmm. like it's not that this episode is very heavy on plot either. No, it's really not. Really, the only thing that happens is that Suki gives birth, and um, they find the, new, the band finds a new guitarist.
1: And and like aside from aside from even Suki giving birth, like. I would, I would argue that it feels like filler. Like, you said, like, Suki giving birth well, should not be filler, but it feels like filler.
0: So, that's what I was about to say. Like, I, I hate to keep bringing up the fact that we don't give a shit about Suki. <laughs> and by we, I don't mean me and Jeffrey. I mean the fandom. Yeah. It's like, she they didn't even make a big deal of her birth.
1: Because what do mean? I mean, it happens off screen, but it happens like... It happens like...
0: off screen, and the baby pager is used as, like... A funny moment of like oh my god is she gonna flinch
1: and on, the, honestly that was the highlight of the entire episode and I, I I think I just i blocked that part out when I was re-watching I was like wait does she flinch I don't, I don't remember how this ends oh, you, were like, on oh, the right. edge.
0: you were on the edge of your seat trying to see if she was gonna flinch
1: <laughs> yes for sure
0: Ugh. anyways but then I so yeah I don't know I don't know why it keeps frustrating me the fact that you know, we really don't care about Suki. And, and they, I think it's
1: just, like, with, with like, w- a lot of those things on the podcast is, like, with with just a little bit of probing and, deep, and deeper analysis, it's like, this is not, this is not worthy of our time and attention.
0: Well, that's the thing. I'm just, you know, we said it a bunch of times last time when we were talking about how the sidekick, how there's really two types of sidekicks. Like, we care about what's happening with Lane's life. And we see that a little bit more in this episode, like we're a little bit more invested in the band and what she's going to think and whatever. And then there's like Suki, where they tried to kind of make it bigger, a bigger storyline with her coming over and jiggling the baby. (laughs) But it didn't really go anywhere. And it it ended up being more of a sweet moment of Lorelai reminiscing about the night she gave birth to Rory. Yeah. And like even at the end, we're like, oh okay, the baby pager went off. It's hilarious that everyone's like, Oh my god, where the fuck is that noise coming from?
2: <laughs> but
0: it never in our minds are we like, Oh my god, I can't wait to see Davy. Yeah, I know. Mm. Even, like,
1: the, even the first time I watched, not so much like didn't really care.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think I think it's it has a lot to do, like you said, with the fact that we've just watched it so many times that now we're focused on certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're, you know, if we're being honest for the points for the purpose of analysis.
1: Yes, analysis is
0: Analysis is um, For the purpose of analysis, it's not something like, you know, every time Suki's on screen, I'm like, am I really analyzing this? Unless she's having a really big interaction with another character mm-hmm. and, and it's, you know, bigger. You know, like Laura talking to her about her parents, or them doing the catering business. You know, it's not. It's never just. I'm really concerned about Suki's storyline.
1: But I think that's a testament again to the writing, where it's like they wrote her a specific way, and it would. They just really held held their guns with it the whole show. It's like they they wrote her specifically as comedic relief, the f- the fat friend sidekick. Unfortunately. Well,
0: that's. But that's the thing. Like, and I think I don't know what bothers me more: the fact that I really don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Or the fact that they knew what they were doing and they knew that we weren't going to give a shit.
1: Yeah, like, I, I, I'm i not sure if I'm necessarily upset that the writers didn't try harder to make us like Suki more. I'm not, not to say that I don't like Suki, I think it's, it's just not, that...
0: It's not about being upset, though.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because it's not that I'm upset, I'm like, oh, God, you should have given her a bigger story. Like, I don't really care about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's more the fact that, like... Why did it have to be her? (laughs) Yeah. And then we know why. It's because she is the fat best friend, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't care about the fat best friend in the early 2000s.
1: No. And I think, I think like, the writer... I'm not going to, like, blame it all on the writers in this case. But, like, they just didn't give Suki, like, enough to make us care beyond the the comedic relief. I don't know, like... The first, I'm like the I'm gonna say in, in seasons one and two, I liked the flirtation and the dating between Jackson and Suki, and but but even but even but even then, when, once we started analyzing it, it was like, okay, you two are annoying. I need to get I need
0: yeah, to, and it didn't go much further.
1: No, I'm like, you need to figure your shit out, and I realized like, I think it was written in a standard Star's Hollow kind of way where it's like, okay, you're either extremely cute one one day or extremely annoying the next, and exactly. the the amount, that, the amount that we've given. To analyzing Suki and Jackson, we realize like, okay, the more we the more the digger we deep, the digger the we digger deep, we deep. The deeper we dig.
0: <laughs> yes, go on. Um
1: we realize, oh my gosh, what what even I'm completely flustered, I'm completely flustered now. Um <laughs> The digger we deep. The deeper we dig, we realize <laughs> that Suki and Jackson are just garbage. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I don't know, I don't think we we ever really get back to, I mean, I think definitely we have some interesting storylines in the coming seasons, Mm -hmm. um, with Suki and Jackson. I think, um, I think season five, like, I think it's kind of there in season five. I think it's non-existent in season six. And in season seven, with the whole vasectomy thing coming out, it gets a little bit more interesting, yeah, but it's never really something that we're we care about. We're like, oh, a scene with Suki and Jackson. Well,
1: I would argue, I would argue that my emotional investment in Suki and/or Jackson peaked when they got married. After that, I was like, okay.
0: Yeah, I I honestly think I'm not even trying to be funny. I think like when she asked him out and they started doing their dance back and forth, mm-hmm. but then they were a couple. I was just like, okay, is that it? But
1: Pretty much. There,
0: we're done? Okay, cool. And then I saw that her wedding dress didn't fit, and I'm like, they don't even give a fuck about her. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, they're like, take that tablecloth and wrap it around her.
1: <laughs> Which is not funny when you think about it, but unfortunately. No, it's
0: not because I really I really feel like they just didn't know how to dress bigger ladies back then either, right? They didn't even make an effort. Probably. <sighs> Anyways, it's just a very, very frustrating thing to think about.
1: I have to wonder what, like, what direction the character would have gone in if Alex Borstein had played Suki as originally planned.
0: Um, I think it's, it's hard because we know Alex Borstein as Suzy in, well, I know Alex Borstein as Suzy in, um, well, in Maisel, right? In (laughs) Maisel. Sorry, I couldn't think of it, even though we said it eight times at the beginning of the episode. Um... And I love her character, and I think her her size and her stature make her character better, yeah, um, and I think it's not at all even though the, in even though in some instances in the show it's like there was a funny bit where they were on an army base, and the guy mistook her for a young man, yeah, <laughs> it's like you can sign up for the army son, and she's like, "What the fuck." <laughs> Like, I think I think the writers, so I think Amy and Dan have definitely learned mm-hmm. since 2001 to yeah. 2007, right? 2000 to 2007, I should say. I think they've definitely learned what to do with a character like, like that. Yeah. And made it so that, even though the show really is about um, Midge, which is Ra- Rachel, what's her last name?
1: Um, Brosna, uh,
0: Brosna, Bros, Brosnahan. whatever. Bros, you know <laughs> who I'm talking about. Yeah. Why can't we think today? What's wrong with us?
1: I'm thinking. I'm just going off the top of my head of like, you know, when you hear the name announced at, at award shows, I think it's Rachel Brosnahan. Yeah.
0: I think it's Brosnahan too. Yeah. Hey, like even though the show really is about her, all these other characters in her life, um, Susie, her ex-husband, like we actually care about them and we're invested in them. There yeah. are minor characters that I really don't give a fuck about, like her best friend, but her best friend's really skinny, so I'm glad they didn't cast, like, another fat girl just to be that person, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, that's that, that's a, an important distinction.
0: Yeah, so I think in this case, it was more like, well, it doesn't matter if we don't have real big storylines for Suki, because that's not what people are here for anyways. Mm-hmm. Um... But, and that's fine to say, like, this this character, we're just propping this, we're, this character is just here to prop up other characters. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Every television show is going to have characters like that. But my problem becomes, it becomes, uh, I, I meant to say, it becomes a problem when you see how often it that character, that buffer character, is a fat person or a person of color or, yeah. you know what I mean?
2: Like, yeah. Because sure.
0: even even Michelle, the only other person of color besides Lane, <laughs> is there to like say his zinger one-liners, and we don't really give a fuck about the rest of his life.
1: Pretty much. And even then, I'd have to argue that since we've since we've just you know dissected Michelle and, and concluded that he was pretty much gay the whole time, I'm much more invested. As, as I rewatch, even though he he and I have a love-hate relationship. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I'm more invested in Michelle and his bitterness, because I'm like, why, like, sometimes I'm like, why are you such a bitch? And other times I'm like, yes, you're hilarious. Whereas Suki is just kind of more or less the same all the time. And I'm yeah. not, I'm just, the, like, the emotional investment peaked after she and Jackson got together. I'm like, okay, cool. And next
0: yeah, thank you, next, basically. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but on the to- yeah. But on the topic of Alex Borstein, I'd have to say, I mean, I've seen her in a bunch of things. She's one of those actresses that pops up in almost everything. Um,
2: yeah.
1: But in my conscious, I-, I remember her best as Drella on the first few episodes of Gilmore Girls. So in my head, I'm like, imagine if Drella was Suki. And I'm like, that would have been a very different dynamic.
0: Yeah, but do you think you would have been more invested what? Do you think you would have been more invested?
1: Um I don't know. I mean like I think it would have been a very it would have been a very different spin on the character. It wouldn't wouldn't be the same character, it would be a completely different one. And I think maybe, you know, I mean Drella was bitter and bitchy, so I can, so in my brain I'm thinking maybe I would have been more invested just based on her personality, whereas Suki's just flaky and not not and like not as on par with personality traits that I that resonate with me in a character I guess
0: yeah I don't know I think is it awful is it awful to say that I think they were also limited by Melissa McCarthy's acting skills
1: oh no I think like I 100 I would 100% disagree with that I I think I think that's why when we've discussed this already but I would think I think that's why when Melissa McCarthy's film career broke out later in the 2010s like that's where everyone was like oh wait she was on Gilmore girls like it was just a complete um, like a complete backflip from what she was doing on Gilmore girls I think they could have util- I think they could have utilized her skills as an actress much more on Gilmore girls and didn't I think that's I think that's what's frustrating for the most part with Melissa McCarthy as Suki, because we know now and maybe you knew then. I don't hard to say. But like we know now that that Melissa McCarthy is such a versatile actress.
0: Yeah, but and, I think so I think it's unfair to say that the reason we didn't know back then that she was going to be such a great actress is because they didn't give her a lot. I think that's definitely part of it.
1: I mean, they didn't give her a lot. They There's,
0: didn't, and we we spent this whole podcast episode saying they didn't give her a lot, right? <laughs> I know they didn't give her a lot. I'm not arguing that fact. But my thing is more like is it because I guess it's kind of a chicken and the egg situation. Did they did they not give her a lot and that's why she was so ugh? Or was it because she hadn't really had time to hone her acting skills? I mean, instead? it could have been,
1: it could have been both. We didn't really like nothing about her acting skills as Suki resonated with me or thought or, or like, you know, stood out as outstanding or or but, you know.
0: Yeah, so then that's what I want to say because Have you seen that? I'm sure you've seen it, and I'm sure a lot of people have seen it. That, like, clip from the pilot that they shot with Alex Borstein as Suki.
1: I haven't seen that.
0: Oh, okay. I can send it to you. But just in that one clip that's, like, a minute long, Mm -hmm. I get more pizzazz from Alex Borstein Mm -hmm. than I did with Suki in all of season one.
1: Okay, like, yeah, if you put it that way, I would make, like...
0: And I mean, like, I don't... But that, but that's not me saying that I don't think Melissa McCarthy is a good actress. I just think, you know, not every role is suited for every... Like, not every actress can play every role, right? Yeah,
1: like, I think... Yeah, I would definitely argue that even in 2000, when the show first started, that Alex Borstein probably already had a firmer grasp on her stick as an actor. Um,
0: yeah. She Whereas, just she just seems way more confident in everything she does,
1: yeah, or, and not and not to say that Melissa McCarthy was necessarily unconfident as Suki, I think it like I don't know, it's hard like now I'm second guessing myself because we know like we know now that Melissa McCarthy shines in specific roles, but maybe like maybe she took maybe like obviously. She was their second choice for Suki because they wanted Alex Borstein, and um, I don't not remember not, not recalling right now why that why that didn't work. I think she took another job or something. I don't remember. Um, but uh, she was definitely Melissa McCarthy was definitely their second choice. So I w- I would have to now think is it because that she you know hadn't hadn't you know honed her skills as an actress yet was still developing as an actress probably you know she was. She spent seven seasons on a network show and then did two other network shows before becoming a gigantic film star so yeah. you know it it could it could be i haven't, don't don't i don't really think of it that way because by the time I watched Gilmore Girls for the first time, she was already such a well established film actress you know yeah. so but you know
0: i i just i just think like she's way more guarded as suki mhm than I've seen her in anything else. I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I don't know, like, if once she graduated from, like, I've been an actress on a television series for seven years, like, I know I've got it kind of thing, and maybe she gained a little bit more confidence.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Or I don't know if it's really just the material and she felt like she couldn't go anywhere with it. I don't know.
1: I ha- I mean, we could argue this all day, but I'd have to say, in conclusion, but also... um. I think it's a bit of both, maybe it could yeah. like maybe it could have been she was still developing her skills as an actress, Suki was her breakthrough role, I'm pretty sure um yeah. so her first her first you know her first notable credit, shall we say, and then um but i also I also think that the material was just what it was, and I think yeah. she probably she probably did with it what she could, and we only only later once she had material that she felt either she felt more confident in as an actress or more confident in in the material itself. I think only later did we realize like oh shit, she is amazing, you know?
0: No, for sure. Um I do have to say though, have you seen that new movie with uh, her and Octavia Spencer?
1: No, but my aunt was telling me and my mom to watch it and I was like it looks really stil- like it looks it looks silly. Of course it's silly, but it looks it looks dumb. <laughs>
0: Apparently, it's awful.
1: <laughs> and of course it is. It was like, you know me and Netflix. It's made for Netflix. It's like, ugh. I know.
0: You, even I can't even
1: though Netflix does churn out Oscar nominees now, I understand. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you see the preview, it looks silly. It's just silly by right. nature.
0: They're not all winners, as I said in our story the other day. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Um. What do you think of this new guitarist...
1: So you have with issues. Gil. You have issues with Gil, and I want to hear them.
0: Oh, I don't know if I have issues with Gil. I think, I think it's really weird that Gil would want to play with a bunch of eighteen-year-olds. Why though? Um, like I. Okay, I think I have an issue with the band in general, and that's why it makes me have an issue with Gil.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: And the reason I say that is because, like, you're a bunch of 18-year-olds. Um, I think, like, we never... We know Zach's not going to college. I don't think Brian's going to college. Lane's in her Seventh-day Adventist college that she fucking hates. Um, and they're just, like, playing in a garage trying to find another lead guitarist because what that's going to be their big break when they find the lead guitarist like things are going to happen like I just I have issue with the fact that there's this isn't going anywhere
1: (laughs) well I mean I can't speak for Brian or Zach because we don't really they're not really the main focus of this story but I we do know that Lane like it's Lane's dream to be a musician and to have a like we we've always known Lane has a passion for music obviously yeah. so we we don't like I mean we know Lane as I said you know like we get this happen then we get a record deal then we get famous and blah, blah blah like we know like that's Lane's you know that's Lane's pipe dream but um I I think at this point it's just like Lane has a passion for music wants to play in a band and that's it like just kind of wants wants an wants an outlet for that creative that creative. Yeah, no, so I don't
0: have a problem with it being um, you know, it, uh, I very much see it also as Lane's escape from her mother's very controlling ways, right?
1: Yeah, like I don't can, like in, in terms of uh, your I know I know this I know this is not what you're saying, but I'm saying like in terms of creative outlets like you like you don't have to be amazing at everything like you can you you, no. you can write, you can write badly draw badly sketch badly like it doesn't if it brings you joy it doesn't matter if it's good or bad like,
0: yeah but then that then contradicts the fact that they actually want to be professional musicians
1: yeah i think like i think it goes back to what you said that they're 18 and they're not they're not sure what they want like they like they want to be in a band but they're not sure where it's going <laughs>
0: So that's the thing. I think for me, it's more frustrating because I'm like, at this point, I think a lot of my frustration also comes with the fact that Lane's storyline for me is very frustrating right now
2: mm-hmm.
0: in that like, we know she's going to Seventh Day Adventist College against her will, but like to keep her mom happy. So her music is the only thing that she has to keep herself happy. But really, I think in my head, my my frustration stems with the fact I'm like, like, what, is, what what's going on with Lane? You know what I mean? I'm like, come on. The fucking storyline can't be that they find a 40-year-old musician or 50-year-old guitar. You know what I mean?
1: Did you feel that way the first time you watched, too?
0: I don't know.
2: (laughs) I don't think
0: I did. I'm going to be honest. I don't think I did. Mm. I think the first time I watched, I was way more like, oh, okay, maybe they're moving things along with the band. But I think my frustration with um, the Lane storyline the slow-moving Lane storyline in the first seven episodes. Because let's be honest, we're seven episodes into this next season, and we still have no idea what's going on with Lane other than the little glimpses that we've gotten, right?
1: Yeah, uh, but I think I would argue that that was deliberate, maybe.
0: Yeah, know. no, I get it. Like, listen, it could be deliberate and frustrate me at the same time, right? <laughs> <laughs> Those I'll, things can, can coexist. <laughs> yes. Um, um. And often do. Um <laughs> But what I mean is that I'm just, I'm a little frustrated with, um, I'm a little frustrated with the fact that, like, I think we could have had a really big opportunity to explore her storyline way sooner mm-hmm. and do it justice. And... Uh, I think I would have liked an alternative storyline other than, oh, we're, you want more Lane? No problem. Lane's auditioning guitarist this week. And I'm like, cool, but...
1: Yeah, like, I would have... To, I, I agree, and I also disagree. So I agree in the sense that her storyline is slow-moving, and we recognize that more now, having seen the show three million times. Yeah, But I would disagree in the sense that Um, I I would disagree in the sense that it's dissatisfying as a fan of Lane because I think Lane, similar to our our previous never-ending discussion about Suki, I think in the same way they wrote Lane as a supporting, you know, prop for Lorelai and Rory, so to speak, like a supporting, like a true supporting character, like there for the purpose of propping up other people. Mm -hmm. But then... They added there was a lot of more there was a lot more nuance to Lane's character in that we saw her struggle at home. Like she was just she stuck out she stuck out like a sore thumb in her conservative Korean family. Like that yeah. was very. and like for younger viewers, and especially I think that I think that storyline is very ahead of its time in this in the sense of, you know, not fitting in with your conservative ethnic family. But yeah. that, but for younger viewers, I'm sure then and and especially now, it's that's that's compelling and that's what draws us to Lane and wants and like wants us and want we want to know more about what's going on with her in her personal life in comparison to auditioning the band. But I but the more that I watch, I'm re- I realize that Lane's purpose was very clear and they stuck to that in the same way they stuck to it with Suki where they didn't really deviate as much. And so I think in this sense, knowing knowing what comes later in season four for Lane and the whole blowout and showdown with her mother that we were, we were waiting for seasons to happen. Cause we, we'd seen, we'd watched four seasons of her hiding her true self from her mother.
0: And I think, and I, if I can interrupt you, I think that that's where my frustration lies. I think, you know, we're coming off season three where she had a, like did so many things to make her happy. Mm-hmm. And, like, had a boyfriend and got to go to prom. And then she also had a fight with her mother because she got drunk at a party. But her mother kind of gave her a little something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I'm coming off of a season where things are finally moving for Lane. Mm -hmm. And and I think in the right direction. And then I get seven episodes into the season. I get Rory paying somebody for a tree. I get (laughs) Yuki making 4,000 broccoli tarts and introducing me to her midwife, Bruce. And I'm like... (laughs) You could have used a lot of this time to maybe further Lane's storyline.
1: Okay, yes, I don't disagree with that. But all I was gonna say before was, from a strictly casual viewing standpoint, like I'm not watching for analysis. I'm just watching to help me fall asleep at night. As everyone knows, that's what I That's usually when I watch Gilmore Girls. Like the more every single time that I've watched season four. What I like about Lane's storyline is that it's 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 a slow burn and it's I think it was written that way on purpose because it's like it like you, just just now you're frustrated that they've spent seven episodes and not giving us anything in Lane's story as opposed to the end of season three where we're getting so much but now we're not getting anything and I think it was a purposely written that way as a slow burn leading up to the you know final showdown shall we speak with her mother the ultimatum with her mother. That we've been waiting for seasons to happen. It's like, oh shit, this is actually going down. Like, Landon and Mother are actually having it out. Like, this is this is actually happening. And I think they I think they wrote it that way on purpose. Like, they get only gave us crumbs of Lane for the first episodes of season four, and then later, when you know shit goes down, it's like, oh, they're actually giving us w- what we've what we've been waiting for for four years.
0: Yeah, I think I think maybe my fear, especially when first watching it, was mm-hmm. that they're going to turn her into a Suki.
1: Yeah. Okay. I can see that.
0: Like, so then I think that if we're going to bring it back to Gil, um, <laughs> my, m- then my fear becomes like, if they're not gonna, cause at this point when you're watching it for the first time, you don't know what's going to happen with her mother. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so then my fear then becomes, well, just like I don't give a fuck about Suki, I don't want to have to turn around and say I don't give a fuck about Lane because we were doing so well in season three. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And we're finally giving her character and her relationship with her mother a chance to grow and to explore that a little bit more and all that nuance. Um, I don't want that to go away. Mm -hmm. And I feel like by just giving me an episode... Again, we said it. It was kind of a very filler episode with the festival and everything. But even... The fact that you went through the trouble of giving her a storyline, a major storyline in this episode, but you made it all about them finding another guitarist. I'm just like, ugh. Yeah. So I think that's where it lies. Um,
1: so I don't, like, I'm, I'm actually, I'm kind of m- agreeing with you more now that you've explained it. Um, yeah. In terms of the fear that Lane will become a Suki. I don't think that happens in season four. Um, no,
0: not at all. But, like, you could understand my apprehension going into this episode, like, after this episode, if you've watched it for the first time, and you're like, well, what the fuck are they doing to her?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I would, but I'd also, you know, I'm going to jump way ahead now, but, when you, but once you said you're, you, you worried you worry that uh, Lane would, would be turning into a Suki-type character... Like this, but the same kind of thing happens with Lane, in my opinion, like in season six and seven. Like, I, exactly. as soon as, like, I'm sorry, as soon as she and Zach get together, I'm like, okay, my emotional investment in you is over. And I don't know, yeah, maybe that, right. that, maybe that speaks more to my tastes and my views as a viewer because
0: I don't think that's true though. No, again, I think that was deliberate. <laughs> and we're gonna, and we're gonna get, like, I don't wanna get into it now. Mm hmm how I feel when Lane got married, but I think it was done deliberately mm-hmm. to frustrate people. Okay. And that's all I'll say about. <laughs> because uh, Then this episode should be titled season seven with a sprinkle of season four.
1: No, I for sure agree that there's a lot of things that are done deliberately to be annoying like I think that's yeah. and that's part of the tr- the quirk and charm of Stars Hollow um yeah but, I, but it's ter- but in terms of like why we get upset over um over like Suki and Jackson or later Lane and Zach getting together like I don't know maybe it's because I mean I can't speak for you but for me like in my own personal taste as a viewer I'm thinking okay great like you married the first guy you met in your small town and you lived had kids and lived there for the rest of your life Whoop, you do like to me that is not my that's not the path in life that I would per, that I would choose and that's like kind of just being stuck in your small town kind of so maybe that's like for me why Suki and Jackson are annoying on another level is that like oh, okay great you're just in your own little bubble of heterosexual nonsense stuck in Mm -hmm. your quirky small town same thing with lane because we see that more in the revival of how her life kind of goes yeah (laughs) you know it could be like i think different things in every show resonate differently with every person so
0: for sure yeah uh,
1: like the reason why you get frustrated is different from the reason why i get frustrated so Mm -hmm. um but i think we can all agree going back to the beginning of the episode when lane dunks her head in the sink that's everyone right now like that's about everyone's
0: yeah, I was gonna say that is me right now. I can't deal anymore. As like cases keep going up, and I can't find vaccine appointments for my patients, and I'm like losing it. I just feel like coming home and sticking my head in the oven sometimes. Like I can't. <laughs> I
1: can't. Well, uh, See if it was a, see if Amy Sharon Palladino was here right now, she probably would have made some kind of Sylvia Plath joke out of that. So. <laughs>
0: I didn't even mean to say that, but... I mean, I didn't even mean it in that way when I said it. I was just trying to show my frustration. Like, everything's... Everything's fucked, Jeffrey. Yep.
1: What else is new?
0: <laughs> the last thing I want to talk about in this episode is the shit show that is Luke and Nicole.
1: Oh, I was going to say. Are we, gonna t- are we just not going to talk about Nicole actually appearing?
0: I-, I feel like, you know what? If it were up to me, I would never mention her name again. <laughs> but I- this point like it's so ridiculous that I have to yeah so Nicole walks into the diner and tells Luke hey I know we're getting a divorce but could we date (laughs) that's basically how it went right
1: and that's like I don't know that just screams stars hollow to me like of course that's what you wanted like
0: but she's not from stars hollow
1: no she's not but it's almost like you come in and you're like Back on your stars is all bullshit. I don't know. It's just... <laughs> it's very on-brand for the town.
0: <laughs> so, I actually feel bad for Luke in this moment.
1: Oh, I do too.
0: Because... Like, it's somebody that you did care about. hmm And they're telling you, like, maybe we should pause this divorce and see where things... go. I feel like he was not coerced, but he was, like, kind of feeling bad and agreed to it just because kind of thing.
1: Yeah. It's like... I'm not gonna. T- I'm not gonna say like Luke should have spoken up for himself. I think Luke doesn't know what he wants when she- when you come in and That's be it. like,
0: yeah.
1: You kind of when you, when you when you paint it that way of like we're getting divorced but we can still see each other. It's like Luke obviously wants doesn't want to be married to her, but yeah. at the same time like does he feel something for her or is it just a distraction from what we've all been waiting for? Or like so, what is it?
0: Yeah, and I think this is where Luke's character flaws for me also shine <laughs> because. <laughs> um you know this is an opportunity for anyone any normal person like this happens to them this is an opportunity for you to like really hash things out and talk them out right Mm -hmm. and he's just like yeah all right i guess we can do that and i'm like what
1: typical man typical straight man
0: (laughs) god damn it it communicates (laughs) so i don't know do
1: straight men deserve rights? Let's discuss.
0: <laughs> We're once again asking the question. Um my answer is no. No I'm kidding. <laughs> but um yeah, so I just think uh, and I also just don't understand why the writers are keeping the storyline alive.
1: I honestly don't even have any, don't even have a guess anymore. I, I, I'm still I'm still
0: either <laughs> I don't know well- any.
1: I'm still of the school of thought though that um, this story just kind of got lost in the shuffle of season four. Like I don't, I'm not sure if the way this was written was as deliberate as the other things we discussed. Like I think it just happened. Just think like it just had to do with timing and too many side stories and where does Luke rank? And I think it was a bit, also a bit of distraction for luke and lorelei eventually getting together at the end of the season we don't know we still don't know if that was if that itself was deliberate the way they wrote it, the, the way they wrote that for this season
0: yeah this is that this whole nicole storyline like you said kind of got lost in the shuffle and they were just like what can we do with luke before we build the anticipation of him getting together with Lorelai?" and yeah. instead of introducing maybe somebody else to you know up the ante a little bit they're like well we can kind of Delay his, you know, like I think they were just. It was one of those things where they were in the writers' room and they're like, everybody throw out your shittiest ideas. Let's go. <laughs> let's go.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: So um, I don't know. I just like, for me, I was like, you were so close to a divorce. Just what the fuck now? <laughs> Again with this bitch you brought her into our lives.
1: It's, but it's so toxic to like have someone a approach you be like, let's get divorced. Let's also like date and then he's like okay sure like where's your self respect
0: <laughs> <sighs> That's what I'm saying <laughs> Anyways it was just yeah Um the last thing I wanted to mention um just as a way to of 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 further proving the fact that you can watch show millions of times and still keep noticing new things mm-hmm. Um so Taylor's the MC for the festival Yes And at one point before he's introducing Andrews statue which i forget what statue it was remember
1: oh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name but i can i'm visualizing it now as you say it
0: you're visualizing Andrew turning in the gazebo, yeah oh yes <laughs> yeah anyways i can't remember the, ta- the the name of the statue or the um the sculptor but i noticed for like we said we've seen this show what dozens of times um this is the first time i noticed that when taylor's announcing the sculpture the statue and the sculptor of the statue, he says, blah, 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 the guy from our former ally, France. Yeah. And I was like, why did you say that? <laughs> our former ally. I was like, what the fuck? And then I realized that this was in late 2003 that this aired. hmm And the U.S. had just gone to war with Iraq.
1: Oh, yes.
0: And France refused to send troops to back up the U.S.
1: Right.
0: As did many countries, including Canada. hmm But this just, like, like, you know how we always joke that Taylor Dosey would have been a Republican and a Trump supporter? 100%. Yes, yeah, There's your
1: further proof, ladies and germs.
0: Yeah. So it was just a way for me to be like, what the fuck? Like, it's just, it's crazy how you can watch a show so many times and still notice things. Um, and it kind of feels magical when that happens. But yeah.
1: Especially now we realize, like, as we've grown up having watched like watched the show at different ages you realize now yeah. and we've said it we've we've noticed a bunch of different times like the amount of little political jabs that they make starting after season 3 like this is one of them for sure and you don't even you don't even notice it until you've watched it a billion times
0: yeah and like let's let's be completely honest you know i i watched the show when i was younger mhm um, so, you know, a lot of the, the references probably went over my head. And now when I watch it, it's it's much easier. But even this episode, I think they mentioned... Um, uh, oh, yeah. I think Lorelai mentioned, like, John Ashcroft.
2: hmm
0: And I was like, who the fuck? I would have been like, back then, who the fuck is that? But now I know who John Ashcroft is, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's all these little things that kind of make the show better for you.
1: Even I mean, then, like for both of us, like, you, me probably more than you, because, you know, the Oracle carries all the knowledge. Um, like, there's still so many obscure pop culture references that I don't get. Like, I would get it if I looked it up, but, like, in the moment, you're like, oh, my God, what? What? <laughs> in the, I think no matter how many times you see it, there's there's just so niche, some of them are just so niche, you don't even realize it, and then you look it up later, like, what the f- what was Amy Sherman Palladino going for with that? Yeah. But, it's, but it's cute in retrospect. You're like, she was so dedicated to, to inserting such witty pop culture references. So that that in yeah. itself, I'll always love.
0: Yep, she did a damn good job, that's for sure.
1: Which is why we we should we should be breaking out our Gilmoreisms booklets more often, everybody. That's true, but
0: they're not complete.
1: <laughs> they're really not. Like sometimes I'll sometimes I'll I'll look for one. and I'm like, why isn't this in here? Because it was just like in passing really fast, and you don't. You don't pick up on it
0: yeah i'm sad
1: anyways whatever
0: um where can they find us jeffrey
1: um they can follow us on instagram at gilmore girls podcast on tweeters at gilmore podcast and should you feel the need to email us you can do so gilmore podcast at gmail.com
0: and uh we will see you guys next week
1: wait do you want to plug your new magnet
0: <laughs> no it's sold out <laughs>
1: Oh, my God, you saw them all, really?
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: Actually,
0: that's a lie. There's one left, I think.
1: Pandemic thunder thighs. <laughs>
0: yeah, so we, we, we. I, I saw an opportunity and I took it. <laughs> um, so Jeffrey and the rest of the homosexuals mm-hmm. were very obsessed with the photo that emerged of Milo Ventimiglia wearing the shortest short shorts.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I made a magnet. <laughs> Because I'm like, you thirsty bitches. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: And um, yeah, I think there's one left, if okay. I'm not mistaken.
1: So um, if by the time you hear this and it hasn't sold, run along.
0: Run along. The link is in the, the our Instagram podcast and we always post stories anyways. But we're always going to have new magnets coming out. New funny ones.
1: And I'm sure that most of the most people who bought them were not only uh, gay men. I'm sure there. Were, I'm sure most were, you know, lovely heterosexual women who are very I'm in love with my. Okay, I'm teasing you.
0: Obviously, <laughs> yes, I
1: don't. But like the gays were were very much on that. I can confirm.
0: the gays were sweating that day. <laughs> oh my God.
1: Wouldn't you though? Wouldn't I you? I feel
0: like calling Jeffrey. I'm like, are you next to a paper bag? <laughs> it over
1: your lips. Honestly, when the first time <laughs> the first time that I saw it was when you when you when you sent the tweet saying that I was hyperventilating, which I was. Exactly. But <laughs> I know you. I didn't I didn't even realize until later that like how viral the photo had gone. I was like, okay, there's it'll just go viral in the like the you know the Gilmore Girls fandom. The, the this is oh, us, no, Adam. No, no, it was it made major entertainment news outlets. So.
0: Yeah, it made entertainment news outlets It got a whole story written up In, I think, Refinery29 Explained the appeal of short shorts (laughs) A lot of things (laughs) happened What we can agree on Is those are some muscular thighs
1: Yes, and That Milo Is just gifted (laughs) Gifted?
0: (laughs) (laughs) What did he do To become gifted In your mind? Uh
1: Clearly, clearly he, clearly he, he didn't skip leg day.
0: <laughs> Never skip leg day. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, if it's still out, if there's still magnets by the time this comes out, feel free to check them out. We're gonna have some new ones available soon. We're always working to see what else you guys might like. We still have keychains available though, of uh, Jess's beautiful face <clears throat> and the fuck it, Emily. <laughs> drinking (laughs) so yeah head on over to the page
2: and uh we'll see you next week thank you so much for listening
0: bye